What's the one essential nutrient that was revered by ancient civilizations that formed the basis of the true paleo diet that's been proven by modern science to reverse heart disease and lower breast cancer that features heavily in the diets of all the blue zones that can help reduce obesity and transform your microbiome yet is overlooked by almost everyone. Join me in this episode where we look at this one crucial nutrient and it's likely in your fridge right now. But find out how it can radically up-level your health and your poo as well. Don't say I didn't warn you. Welcome back to the show. I'm your host, Nick Broadhurst. And that song you were listening to is a remix of one of my singles called Open Wide. That is the part one remix. And you can find that on my very first album, which was called Thank You. Just head to Spotify, search for my name, click on the album Thank You, and you can listen to that remix in full. In my first three episodes back from a 17-month break from podcasting, we have gone deep into what's really driving the global pandemic, how to deal with racism, global warming as told through the beautiful lens of the life of coral. And today we're going to lighten things up a bit, literally, and talk about the one key nutrient that everyone overlooks. But that might sound like I'm generalizing, but as we get into this episode, you will see that no matter what your diet, you can never have enough of this one key nutrient. And I have a promise to make you. Do not skip anything in this episode. Make sure you get all the way through because it builds and builds and builds. And there is some absolute gold towards the end of this episode. Okay. This is really important stuff. If you're wanting to take your health to the next level, you are in the right place with this episode. If you've been on your own health journey for a while now, chances are you would have heard the phrase, eat like our ancestors. This is where the popular paleo diet was ultimately born from the assumption that because we found animal bones in human archaeological sites, that we must have eaten lots of animals. Even the term hunter-gatherer conjures up an image of a man wearing an animal skin, holding a spear, and going out to kill and bring back food for the tribe. Now, of course, there would be some truth to that. To say that humans never ate animals would definitely be misleading, but perhaps all along, we should have been calling them gatherer hunters as a more accurate description of how our ancestors once lived. Why this switch around? Well, it turns out that gathering played a much larger role in our ancestors' lives and the way they ate than has previously been thought. And the way that scientists found this out is kind of fascinating. During most archaeological excavations, there was one fossilized human artifact that was found at virtually every site, but that was largely ignored. Know what it was? Poo. Fossilized poo. Makes sense, right? Of course, there was poo. And yet for the longest time, 
it was overlooked as a source of data. But if we really want to know what our ancestors eat, well then let's look at what they excreted, what actually went through their systems. And what scientists have now found over and over again is that this paleo poo, no matter where in the world it is found, is in fact jam-packed with one key nutrient, fiber. For millions of years, food meant fiber. And I'm not talking about psyllium husks or metamucil here. I'm talking about plants, glorious, various fibrous plants. There's enough data now to show that for 99% of the time humans have been on planet Earth as a species, our digestive systems have been exposed to a diet very high in plant roughage. So let's dig into what this actually means. Dietary fiber is a plant-based nutrient that is sometimes called roughage or bulk. It's a type of carbohydrate that comes from the indigestible parts of plant-based foods. Now, unlike other carbs, it can't be broken down into digestible sugar molecules. Therefore, fiber passes through the intestinal tract relatively intact. However, on its journey through, fiber does a lot of handiwork for us. Now, this work, it does depend on what type of fiber it is, insoluble or soluble fiber. Insoluble fiber, which is fiber that doesn't dissolve, promotes the movement of material through your digestive system and increases stool bulk. Foods high in insoluble fiber include wheat bran, whole grains, cereals, seeds, and the skins of many fruits and vegetables. Soluble fiber is fiber that dissolves in water. This type of fiber slows your digestion, which helps you absorb nutrients from food. Foods with high levels of soluble fiber include dried beans, oats, oat bran, rice bran, barley, citrus fruits, apples, strawberries, peas, and potatoes. The recommended daily intake of fiber, regardless of which type, soluble or insoluble, is 20 to 35 grams, although the average Westerner only consumes around 15 to 25 grams of fiber per day. Some other cultures are doing better in the fiber stakes. In rural China, studies have shown an average of 77 grams per day, and in rural Africa, 60 to 120 grams per day. In fact, it's been demonstrated that rural Africans can usually pass a stool specimen on demand. No pushing, just a nice little slide out the backside, a clean snap, one wipe, so to speak. Which is awesome, but most of us Westerners are not getting anywhere near that much. By comparison to these modern measurements, do you know how much fiber there was in the average paleo poo? Drumroll. 104 grams. That's three to four times the recommended daily intake. And a whole four to five times what most of us are getting. Now this intrigued me, so I decided to do an experiment recently and tracked my fiber intake for a day. I wasn't trying to increase my bulk I was just eating normally for me. This was on a training day where I ate a bit more food than days when I don't train. And remember, this is what works for me. I am a Vata Pizza male who exercises a lot, has a fast metabolism, and has to feed a very hungry, creative brain. I started out the day with warm lemon water. Then for breakfast, I had gluten-free organic oats cooked in water, 
with wild blueberries, maple syrup, and some freshly ground chia and flaxseed that I ground up that morning, topped with cinnamon and a side of ginger tea to wake up my digestion. And this, honestly, it barely touched the sides. So about one hour later, I made a smoothie with two cups of the same blueberries, one massive handful of spinach, some coconut water, some pepitas, and two scoops of hemp protein. I drank this slowly over one hour during my morning songwriting session. About one hour before lunch, I had a big bottle of very warm water. Then for lunch, there was two small sweet potatoes, a cup of black beans, steamed broccoli and kale with a squeeze of lemon juice because lemon and greens increases the iron absorption. And then some yellow mustard seed powder because when you cook cruciferous vegetables like broccoli and kale, you are making the sulforaphane less available, which is a really, really important component of cruciferous vegetables, right? So when you put yellow mustard seed powder on, it makes the bioavailability from these cooked cruciferous vegetables much higher. Then I topped that with some dulse for some essential minerals and some mixed nuts, okay? Now, it was super yummy and super cheap. That's one of the benefits of eating plants. Not expensive. And little side note, I did a podcast on food combining, which was called How Food Combining Would Transform Your Digestion, which was episode 100. And this explains how I would actually eat that meal for maximum nutrient assimilation. So definitely check that out. I've had some people tell me that one episode literally changed their digestion. So 100% check it out. Now, after lunch, I went for a one-hour walk. And when I came back, I had another bottle of warm water. In the afternoon, before I did my workout, I had just a really small mandarin, just for a little bit of easy-to-digest glucose, a bit of extra vitamin C. And then I worked out and had a post-workout meal, which was a smoothie of mixed berries, some coconut water, two scoops of fermented brown rice protein powder, some hemp seeds, and some spirulina. Okay, And then dinner consisted of some really beautiful gooey baked sweet potato again, a lentil curry over a small bed of quinoa, some steamed mixed vegetables topped with lemon juice, and a sprinkle of chopped nuts again. Very similar to lunch. It sounds like a lot, I know. I mean, who eats that many plants? Surely that must have smashed the paleo poo for fiber content, right? Like, There's no way they could eat that much plant matter back then. Actually, no. I made it to 90 four grams, right? That may be very good for a Westerner, but this shows us very clearly that our ancestors were chowing down way more on roughage than they were on ribs, as well as revealing our fiber intake. Our bowel movements also tell us a lot about our health. Egypt, with a civilization that lasted over 3,000 years, knew a thing or two about the body, and they cared a lot about bowel movements. Pharaohs even had their own physician known as the guardian of the royal bowel movement, directly translated as shepherd of the anus. I kid you not. (laughs) They were seriously onto this, right? Hippocrates, the father of medicine, said that two to three bowel movements per day was ideal. And I'm not talking about squeezing out some hard, stinky little nuggets. These should be three smooth and easy, smiley logs that take one wipe to clean up, right? The hallowed clean snap. If from this episode, I can share just one simple idea with you that would make Hippocrates proud, it would be this. 
a movement for every meal. That means if you eat three meals a day, there needs to be enough plant material in there to allow for a healthy poop each time. Common sense, right? Your poop is made up of around 75% water. So if you want some easy sliders, you got to sip that water and have a diet that is made up of foods that contain a lot of water or that hold water when soaked and cooked. Interestingly, when you take the water away from poop, 50 to 80% of it is actually bacteria. It's not yesterday's food. And what do bacteria feed on? Fiber. Now, to reach this milestone of a movement for every meal, it helps to understand the mechanics of the gut and what happens when we eat. Within our first few mouthfuls of food, we stimulate a reflex that causes waves of colonic activity and starts the process of emptying our bowel. To trigger the actual defecation reflex, however, you need to accumulate 100 to 150 grams of feces in the bowel. So if you are only having one bowel movement per day or one every few days, which averages around 100 grams in weight, then clearly you are nowhere near getting the fiber you need to bulk out that poo. It makes so much sense. Bowel movements, regular ones, are so important that there are even calls in the medical community to make them a vital sign that is assessed in hospitals, just like blood pressure or your pulse rate. I mean, I'm definitely an advocate of that. So that's a lot of talk about fiber and poo, but why does this all matter? What is fiber actually going to do for you? Let's look at it through the lens of the world's number one killer, heart disease. Dr. Dean Ornish published a landmark study in 1990 in one of the most prestigious medical journals in the world that proved diet could not only slow our number one killer, but actually reverse heart disease and open up clogged arteries without drugs, without surgery. And what was the diet used in the study? It was a low-fat, whole-food, plant-based diet. And it's not just heart disease. Breast cancer risk has been shown to be lower in people with adequate fiber intakes. And note that that's just adequate intake. Imagine if the study was done on those with optimal fiber intake. And it turns out that those rural societies that have much higher fiber intakes than the vast majority of Westerners have drastically lower cancer rates. When you eat more plants and get more fiber, you also get a much broader spectrum of other nutrients, which have their own protective qualities. So you're also nourishing your body with all those beautiful phytonutrients that are so abundant in plants, like that sulforaphane I mentioned in the cruciferous vegetables. Absolute dynamite with cancer. Now, what else is fiber good for? Maintaining a healthy microbiome. And here's a newsflash for you. It's not the juice cleanse or the expensive probiotic that does the regular heavy lifting of keeping your gut squeaky clean. It's the fiber and the diversity of fiber in your diet that is most important. When our microbiome gets out of whack, we create gut dysbiosis, which is basically where your microbes have been damaged by either pharmaceuticals, stress, environmental toxins, poor food choices, the products that you're putting on your skin, which are absorbing straight in and bloodstream into your digestive system antibiotics, and the water you drink even, and so much more. I can personally testify, and boy did I learn this the hard way, that a diet high in fat, like low carb or the very trendy ketogenic diet, is the single 
fastest way to destroy your gut microbiome and create dysbiosis. The good bacteria just don't get the food they need when you're eating that way. So the balance is quickly destroyed and allows for pathogenic bacteria to take over. Even modern so-called healthy diets like paleo, while they are definitely better than a traditional Western diet, are still going to be lacking in the fiber diversity needed to nurture a healthy microbiome. And with that in mind, if you look at the carnivore diet, which is zero fiber, well, enough said. Good bacteria just can't flourish under those conditions. And good bacteria equals good health. So let's zoom in closer on your microbiome. There are around 38 trillion microbes inside you right now, which means there are more microbes than there are cells in your body. In fact, microorganisms outnumber your cells by 10 to 1, which means that when you look at your DNA, around 99% of that actually comes from microbes. That is crazy, right? So when they're damaged, that means a lot of you is damaged and it causes increased intestinal permeability, also known as leaky gut, which then allows the release of bacterial endotoxins into the bloodstream. Seriously, it hurts just thinking about it, right? But unfortunately, this is extremely common and is driving so much of the inflammatory disease states found in most societies around the world. But there is some good news. There's this misconception that we can't digest fiber. Now, we can't do it alone, but we can with a little help from our gut flora friends. These microbes consist of bacteria, viruses, fungi, archaea, and parasites. And guess what they love to eat? And I know I'm getting repetitive here, but I hope the point is being driven home. They eat fiber, of course. Now, fiber is metabolized by our gut flora into short-chain fatty acids. I want you to remember those words, short-chain fatty acids. There are a few things in your world that will improve your health better than short-chain fatty acids. And guess what role short-chain fatty acids play in healing the gut? They prevent the overgrowth of the more harmful pathogens, which means your microbiome has a chance at rebalancing and cultivating diversity. Plus, your body gets a chance to repair the tight junctions in your digestive tract to start healing intestinal permeability or leaky gut and so much more. So with a healthy microbiome comes so many flow-on benefits and it all starts with fiber. Are you starting to see how important this is? But not all fiber is created equal. For starters, if you're thinking of adding fiber to your diet by grabbing a canister of Metamucil or some other commercial fiber product, let me say this. Not only are you adding in artificial colors, flavors, and preservatives to your diet, you're also using that product to replace natural whole plant foods, which means you're missing out on the nutrients of those foods, right? Now, likewise, if you're reaching for a natural fiber replacement to add more bulk into your diet, like psyllium husks, yes, definitely a step better than Metamucil, but ideally, we don't want to have to tack fiber onto our diet as an afterthought. We want to be eating in such a way that the fiber is present and at the forefront of every single meal, not an accessory we add on afterwards to band-aid over poor food choices. This means the absolute best option to increase your fiber intake is to look to the plant world and ingest a vast array of different plants. 
each plant has its own unique fiber makeup, which will benefit different microbes, allowing a much more robust spectrum of bacteria to thrive. This means your health can essentially be judged by the diversity of plants in your diet. The more different types of plants you eat, the more microbial diversity you get in your gut. The more diversity in the gut, the better your health. It's a simple equation. There are tens of thousands of different microbes in your gut, hopefully, if your gut's diverse, and they all like different foods. So make sure you feed them a diverse mix of plants. So when it comes to ensuring diversity in my own diet, one of my favorite sources of inspiration recently has been the new book by Dan Butner called Blue Zones Kitchen, 100 Recipes to Live to 100. The author visited tiny kitchens from Ikaria to Okinawa to learn these almost forgotten recipes and to document them before they were lost forever as the older generations with the knowledge slowly start to fade away. So if you're interested in diving deeper into the Blue Zones, I did an entire 10-part series on this show called the Longevity Series, right? It's really cool stuff. And you can find that starting at episode 40. There's also a fantastic book that has just come out, which I cannot wait to read by Dr. Will Bulsowitz called Fiber Fueled, the plant-based gut health program for losing weight, restoring health, and optimizing your microbiome. And I just had a little sneak peek at the contents and it gives you a four-week plan to transition to a plant-based way of eating, which is super cool, all coming from a doctor with a lot of experience in this space. On that note, let's be clear. This is not a diet. It's a lifestyle. It is not restrictive. It's expansive. No matter what your dietary preference, you are going to live longer the more plants you eat. Vegetables, fruits, whole grains, nuts, legumes, herbs, spices, mushrooms, sea vegetables and seeds. There is a whole world for you to explore and your bugs will thank you. And your poo will too. Thank you again for joining me on the Nick Broadhurst Show. You can get all of the show notes. There's a lot of references in this one. And that is IamNickBroadhurst.com forward slash 112. And you can also get a full transcript of the show if you want to send someone who wants to read it instead of listen to it on a podcast. And please do me a massive favor. Share this on your social media. This is such important information. And because of all the mass confusion out there over the past well, really just the past decade, there's been so much confusion around diets and things like ketogenic taking hold and carnivore and all these sorts of things that honestly, if people just know the importance of this one essential nutrient, it will change their life. I mean, I'm speaking from experience as well, but I'm basing this on science, but it has changed my life. When I was ketogenic, I literally destroyed not only my gut, but my health, my general health, my mental health, I was depressed for 12 months on a ketogenic diet. The majority of our serotonin is made in our guts. So if I wasn't feeding it what they needed, they weren't happy, which means I wasn't happy. So please, let's share this information. Tag me at I am Nick Broadhurst, and let's get this information out into the world. Last of all, I'm a musician, so <laughs> head to Spotify, search for my name, and please hit the follow button and add one or two or all of my songs to one of your favorite playlists i'd be super grateful and remember today to look up see the beauty around you see the beauty within you be gentle with yourself 
be gentle with your microbes because, hey, your microbes are you. Give them what they need. Look around at the abundance of beautiful plants that the majority of us listening to this have access to in the modern food system. Be love. Listen to your intuition. And as always, have a beautiful day. I love you heaps. Mwah. And just before you go, just wanted to let you know that the information and views presented in this podcast are personal and for educational and entertainment purposes only. The information presented is not intended as a substitute for medical or professional advice. Please seek advice from a qualified medical practitioner before starting any new diet, health or lifestyle practice. There you go. Catch you soon.